Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 388. Wake up every morning and say to yourself, I wonder what I can make happen today. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Do you know the best way to protect your vehicle, both the exterior and interior, is with a car cover? I've been using Covercraft car covers since 1975. It's a fast, easy, and inexpensive way to keep your vehicle looking new. 2015 marks Covercraft's 50th anniversary. They've manufactured premium quality exterior and interior covers here in the United States with a reputation for durability and design. They're the world's largest manufacturer of custom patterned vehicle covers that are crafted to fit with over 80,000 patterns and growing. You can choose from dozens of fabric options and accessories, all designed and carefully sewn for your special vehicle. Made in the USA, Covercraft is the right choice. I've protected my special rides with their covers for over 40 years, and you should too. Learn more today at Covercraft.com. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I am revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest, David Schneider. David, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? The five-point harness is buckled. All right, cool. David Schneider is a fine artist who started drawing cars, airplanes, and trains at the very young age of six years old. He graduated from the Central Academy of Commercial Art in Cincinnati, Ohio, and had a successful career in advertising as a designer, art director, and illustrator. His drawings and paintings portray memories of growing up with cars from the 50s through the American muscle car era, and he's known for his fine details of the period. He paints down to the levels of the signage, the oil cans, the garage bays. The details are absolutely incredible. He self-published over 120 limited edition prints, and his work has earned numerous awards and hangs in prestigious private in corporate collections around the world. So David, I've told our listeners just a tiny bit about you. Would you take a brief moment and share a little bit more about your career and of course your passion for painting and automobiles? I've always been uh, an artist my entire life. Like you said, I spent 25 years in advertising and it's a young man's game. And I was getting beat up by younger guys um, all the time that had more drive and energy than I seem to. And one day I just said I quit, came home, and I told my wife I quit. And she just panicked and says, well, (laughs) now what do we do? And I said, I really don't know, but I'll think of something. Wow. Well, you know, this is a really great story because, in a sense, uh, it's what Cars Yeah is all about, and that is people who wrap their passion for automobiles into their vocation. And I would assume you're in the ad business. Uh, Maybe you worked on some car clients and things like that. But now you came home, you decided, I'm going to do what I really love. I'm going to paint cars. And that's why I wanted to have you on the show. I've known of your work for so long. It's absolutely fantastic. And and as we continue on your journey, I'm going to start by asking you for a success quote. It's a saying that's been instrumental in forming your life and your success. And it's a really great way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars. Yeah. So David, take the wheel. There's no substitution for hard work. That's my mantra. I used to go to the car shows, Concord Elegance, uh, Meadowbrook, Amelia Island, and, and those type shows, 
and I would see guys that would be doing artwork, and I thought, you know what, these are guys are the luckiest sons of gun. They, they just they're in this great world of collectible automobiles, and they are making a living of it. And I thought, you know, I'd be the luckiest guy if someday I could do that. And now, 20 years later, here I am. And it's through hard work and determination and drive. You know, to make a living being an artist and then niching it down to a an automotive artist is so difficult. I believe I've had probably about four dozen artists here on Cars, yeah. And the story that they've shared is what you've said. You have to get up and work every day. Pick up that brush even on days where you don't feel like doing anything and you just persevere and just work hard. And I'm glad you said it that way because some people think, oh, these artists are just, it must be so easy. They just sit and paint all day. What a, what a life. But it's hard work, isn't it? Uh, and, and they say, boy, you're so lucky you get to travel all over the place. You know, I see the inside of hotel rooms. I see the, for example, at Amelia Island, um, one day you're out on the field showing your work. But the other four days, you're in the Ritz-Carlton. Oh, the Ritz-Carlton, that sounds beautiful. But you're in a ballroom and you're looking at four walls and there's a beach and, and sunshine and palm trees outside <laughs> yes. that you never see. And you're inside talking to people and dealing with your customers. It's wonderful work, it, it, but it's not all glamour. There is a lot of hard work. Yes, absolutely. Yep, it's a lot of hustle and a, a lot of hard work. Would you share a story with us that instigated your passion for cars? I would love to hear about that pivotal moment in your life when you really knew you were a car guy? You know, I, I used to, my grandfather would always take a, me and my brother to see the new cars and the, the showrooms. We'd travel a couple showrooms. He'd come and pick us up, and we'd have an evening of it. And, and I remember in 1957 seeing the 1958 Edsel at Beasley Ford. <laughs> and the excitement that, that is just around that and then getting on my bicycle and, and pedaling through the neighborhood and going down and filling up the tires in the bicycle and the, and the ding ding of the of the when the cars would pull in for gas and, and seeing the greasy mechanics back there in the service bay and you know there, there was just a, kind of a romance of it sure, um, sure i did get away with that for a while or away from that for a while but I still remember those memories of seeing the dealerships and, and the signage and the, the, the signs and the pumps and the, the, the noises. and the, um, It had a real kind of, uh, it sparked a real passion with me. Do you think that's why a lot of the paintings you do are from that era? Because you're just bringing back those memories for you? A lot of the paintings I do are from that era, and, and that's market-driven. It's because the guys around the 50s and 60s and into the muscle cars, they're the ones that have the money. Ah, okay. Um, yeah, it's, it's market-driven. I have a passion for all cars. But what it, I think what it did was solidify a passion for the architecture and the signage and the lights. And, the, um, and, and that's what I try to show in my paintings it's not just the cars, but it's what's around the cars. It's the dealerships, and it's the drive-in restaurants, and it's the, the gas stations. That's what I have a passion for, as well as just the automobile. Well, I understand you do a lot of research before you start a painting on all these details. I mentioned it in your intro, but 
down to the oil can designs and the signage and all these little details. Where do you go? How do you get all this information so that you know that 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 SO can sitting on that counter is the right font, script, color, and so forth? And it has to be the right font for that era also you cannot just you cannot put a, an, an old sign in a new gas station or vice versa mm-hmm. or an old oil can sitting on a new gas pump or you have to do that research because if you don't i get letters <laughs> yes. the research is down to the um you know these car guys i mean they're, oh, yeah. they're, they're just crazy about the well that hubcap didn't come on that car well yeah it did because it was an option and here was the, here's the option code mm. It's going down to that detail, even to mixing the paints. When I mix paints on a palette to put down onto the painting, I have the manufacturer's paint chips in my lap. Oh, my gosh. And I match them. Wow. And just to make sure that um, Carousel Red looks like Carousel Red. (laughs) And um, Plum Crazy looks like Plum Crazy. Sure, sure. You know... I was going to say what's really also a, a golden nugget you dropped earlier was about marketability because painting things that people want to buy versus some artists who paint what they like, but they're not really painting things that are marketable. I had a, an artist on the show here a while back, Scott Jacobs, very, very commercially successful painter who does a lot of work on Harley Davidson motorcycles. And he learned that lesson from one of his friends in the early years, paint things that people want to buy pictures of. <laughs> So true, huh? Oh, that's very true. I've, I've, I, and I try to teach other artists that, but um, they said, well, you know, I thought that Graham Page really, really looked pretty, so I painted this Graham Page. Well, there's three guys out there that want a, a reproduction of that Graham Page painting. Yeah. So you have to think. I spent 25 years in advertising and marketing, and you have to think, well, what's going to sell? And even when I do a painting of a specific dealership, I've got to figure out how I'm going to sell it before I even start it. And that's something a lot of artists just don't get. Yeah, no, it's really, really important. And for those young artists out there listening or trying to figure out how to carry their talents forward into a marketable area, this is a great lesson for them to learn. David, what I'd love to do now is take a look at some of the roads you've driven down and crawl under the hood and ask you to share about a huge challenge or maybe it's even a great failure that you faced along the way in your career or your life. But the most important part of this has to do with how did you overcome that situation? What did you learn? What did it teach you? You know, there was even a time when in high school when a couple of people said, you'll never you'll never make money as an artist. You need to think about something else. A very a mother of a very good friend who was an artist, she said, why don't you go into advertising and be a, a graphic designer, art director, and, and pursue that because that's, that's an income. And that was very good advice because I had a 25-year career and it also taught me how to market my own work. If I can sell Kentucky Fried Chicken... I can sell my own work. Mm-hmm. Again, it's it's a something that's that's rare in an artist that he's able to actually market and uh, sell his own work and talk about it. Right, right. Uh, oh, so true. Absolutely. I love that story. It's a great lesson, again, for our listeners that you do need to know how to market your product. You need to know how to sell yourself. And certainly today, there's so many opportunities and ways to do that with the Internet to get your work out there in front of people versus when you got into it when 
He had to go and go to shows, set up at shows, like you said, sit inside of baker rooms or maybe at a racetrack and you got to hear the cars running around, but you never get to go out and see them or enjoy it. So, Yeah, back in the early days, the bathroom tiles were literally hanging or falling off the wall. Birds had pecked holes in the, in the siding of our house. Um, we needed, so the kids needed braces. And when I had a couple of successes, I remember telling my wife, who is now my great business partner, um, I couldn't do this without her. I said, I want to buy this ad in Muscle Car Review. And she, well, you, you know, do you know how much that costs? Yeah, I know how much it costs, you know, but we're going to do it. And she said, well, the kids need braces and the house needs to be fixed and, and we, we, we need to spend, let's buy an ad. Let, let's do it. Yeah. So I bought a two-thirds page ad in Muscle Car Review and got such response back that we have never looked back on spending money on marketing. So it's not just by going to the shows. You're right. In, in, the, in the digital age now, it's gotten easier and harder mm-hmm. because a lot of these magazines have fallen off and there's much more information now out there to disseminate rather than three or four or five magazines on the newsstand. Right. So it's, it's almost more difficult now because it's a bigger arena. Oh, yeah, definitely. The world's opened up. Let's shift gears here and go to the other end of the spectrum. I always like to ask my guests about an aha moment in their career. It's a time, I like to say, when the headlights came on and somewhat illuminated your way for this new idea or this new direction that you had. And tell us the steps that you took to turn your aha moment into your success. As I mentioned before, I'd been to these shows where these guys, that artists that had been around a long time that I really admired and would see their work hanging at shows and thinking, boy, if someday, you know, what, wouldn't that be great? What a, what a great way to make a living. And the aha moment is when you introduce yourself at a show to the public and you get response that is overwhelming. It literally was overwhelming to me that I'm outselling and, and have become friends and colleagues with the guys that I was admiring for years. You know, I've heard, again, I've heard this from so many of my guests, and I attend events like Pebble Beach where the AFAS is. You walk into that tent, you see all these artists together who've all become friends, whereas in the past, none of them knew each other. Some of them came on later and had had aspired to be like those other artists, and now they're buddies with them, and they collaborate together, they work together, they just share ideas and ways to promote themselves. So, yeah, it's a fun moment when that happens. (laughs) Absolutely. I've made it. Here I am. I can do that. Yeah, yeah, I can do that. I figured it out. Just took a lot of hard work. How about proudest career moments? I would assume you've had many with all your years of working in the ad business and now as a painter, but is there one moment that stands out for you you could share with us today? You know, it's probably uh it was um 2012, 13, 2013. Well, let me go back. In 2012, at the, the Mecham Spring Classic, the Mecham Auction in Indianapolis, I gave away two large prints, the big canvas prints, to be auctioned off for Dana Mecham's favorite charity, Curing Kids Cancer. Nice. Um, and I, I told Dana, you know, none of this Tuesday, Wednesday stuff, these have to go on Friday and Saturday. He said, no problem. We put them, on, put them up at, for the warm-up auction, at nine o'clock in the morning. Hmm. Well, the print I donated for Friday, you think 
I hope it gets to retail of around $1,000, you know, raises $1,000. Well, that first print, now again, it's a charity auction, but that print raised $7,500. Oh, wow, cool. The Saturday print went for $10,000. Oh, my goodness. Right after that, I was introduced to the plant manager of Gibson Guitars. And I said, hey, man, did you see that? You know, wasn't that great? And he said, yeah. Well, I said, I'll tell you what, you give me you give me a Gibson Les Paul. Next year, I'll do some of the cars from the auction, paint it on the guitar. I said, I'll bet we could fifteen, twenty thousand dollars $20,000 that we could raise. Nice. So no problem. You know, we'll, we'll work with a Gibson Foundation. They gave me a guitar, and I... I um, uh, worked with Dana about timing because I, I wanted to make sure that this guitar went live on air in prime time and did this painting on the guitar and I went back to Gibson and they were excited about it and, and so the excitement was building. It went off on Saturday around noon, again, live on air. That guitar raised $105,000. Oh my goodness. Cancer. Whoa. It just stunned everybody, including me. <laughs> what an amazingly fantastic idea you had there. Wow. So th- that's something, again, where you, you don't ask to do something. You just do it, and you take the bull by the horns. I even had the the guy from NBC Sports come up and, and say, here's how we're going to handle this on TV. And I said, really? Said, you get, do you have a better idea? And I said, yes, I did. So I even directed the TV on that piece. Nice. Uh, on that segment. It was, um, you know, I just saw it and had the vision and went and did it, and we raised a bunch of money. Wow. Congratulations. Certainly something to be very, very proud of. But, wow, what a success. So next year, the challenge is how do you one-up that? Well, you don't. You don't. You, they go on to something else. Yeah. It has led to a couple of commissions. I've actually done a couple of paintings on Gibson guitars oh, since cool. then. Yeah. But you, you really don't top that. You do something else or you let somebody else top you. To me, that was like breaking the bank. And I even talked to Dana Meekum about that. And he said, lightning isn't going to strike twice. Let's just kind of leave it where it is. Yeah, yeah. Well, it was a wonderful idea. What a very, very proud thing to be a for extremely worthy cause. So that's an awesome story. Thanks for sharing that. Let's have a little bit of fun here. What was your first really special vehicle? And if you could share maybe a memory or two you have of that car. The car, I guess I um, drove my new wife home in, uh, it was a 1963 Corvair Monza convertible. Oh, cool. It was a great little car. <laughs> yeah. And it was, it was um, dark blue with a light blue interior. It had the right color scheme. It just looked great. And the thing about a Corvair, unsafe at any speed, well, once you learned how to drive those cars, and once you learned about the quirky little weight transfer that those cars had, mm-hmm. they were a ball to drive. Oh, yeah. They were fun. Yeah, they're beautiful little cars. I mean, the design in and of themselves, and I've never had the pleasure of driving one. I've driven in one with somebody who owned one, and uh, really cool looking, and kind of like the the early 911s when you talk about weight transfer and learning how to drive the car correctly. We won't even get into that whole debacle with unsafe at any speed, but right. Uh, but I think they're beautiful little cars. Very cool. I think you're the first person here on Cars Yeah who answered the question with a Corvair Monza. Very cool. 
Well, the other great car was uh, my wife, for my 50th birthday, surprised me with a new Corvette. It was Corvette's 50th birthday and my 50th birthday, so, and it was a surprise. Brought it around at, um, when we were at a restaurant, uh, valet parking brought it around with a big bow on it, and there was a big party and, and a lot of friends there, so that, that was a real surprise. You married the right girl, <laughs> for she's, sure. Uh, she's She's pretty uh, pretty special. Yeah, I think so. What a wonderful gift. Very cool. Nice the way she coordinated the 50th anniversary Corvette with your 50th birthday, the the valet, everything. Ah, splendid. Is there a vehicle that you've owned that you let go that you really wish you had back in your garage? That Corvair would be nice. The Corvair? Because yeah. It was, a, it was the, the car I got married in. And most of my cars have been recently have been minivans to haul artwork from show to show. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the Cor- Corvair Monza would be a nice addition to the fleet, that's for sure, especially after driving minivans around, but I get it. They're necessary. How about current projects? What are you working on right now today that really has you excited and fired up? Because i am been doing muscle cars for 20 years, uh, you reach a, a certain point where there's you have to look at something new you reach a saturation point with your work, and and I'm slowly getting there. And I needed a new challenge, and um, I did a uh, Ferrari piece. I did Canetti Motors in Greenwich, Connecticut, and that's turned out quite nice. It's uh, the the original painting is actually at the printer right now, and I deliver the original painting in two weeks. Oh wow! To the, uh, to the it was actually something a painting that was pre-sold. Mm-hmm. Um, he said, I have this collection of cars. I want it placed in a scene of something, you know, a, a that we would agree on. And the agreement was on Kennedy Motors because one of the cars is one of the 250 GT Nart Spiders. Oh, okay. He owns one of 10 of those and wanted that placed in a, a painting and that's where we came upon Kennedy Motors. Oh, perfect. Yeah, perfect setting. You know, I just watched Wayne Carini's uh, debut of his new premiere of Chasing Classic Cars, and one of the cars they talked about was a Kennedy-owned car, Kennedy Jr. It was kind of a precursor to the Dino, but they uh, profiled this vehicle. And when you mentioned Kennedy, Kennedy Motors, I mean, the the amazing history and legacy and iconic nature of that brand, that name. What a perfect setting for all this gentleman's collection. It, it was, yeah. And the painting turned out really well. And that's the current project that I've been excited about. Now, you mentioned at the printers, do you take uh, your artwork and then create limited edition prints that you sell of most of your paintings? I do. Okay. Um, I have two, usually two versions of reproductions. One is a limited edition, around 500 I produce, a uh, offset litho on paper that's like 22 by 28. And and that's a reasonable price. They usually go for around $100. So that's something that almost everyone can afford. Then, of course, there there is the original painting. But if you want something that is as close to the original painting as you can get, then I do canvas gicle prints. It's a digital process on archival canvas. Uh-huh. And I do those the same size as the original painting. Very nice. At a fraction of the cost of the original painting, you can have something that looks like the original painting hanging on your wall. Yeah, those are a great way to go. And all of these are available on your website, is that right? 
They are, yes. Awesome. Well, at the end of the show, we'll talk about what that website is. And of course, you can get all this information on the Cars Yeah! website on David's show notes page. But first, I want to ask you a very introspective question. If you were a car, David, what kind of car would you be? And more importantly, why? I'm just I'm just kind of a regular guy. Um, That's okay. <laughs> you know, if if it, okay, I would be a a 1962 Pontiac Bonneville convertible. All right, very cool. Because I like I like color. I, I like to be you know I like the the the, the, the there's always had interesting exterior interior color combinations. There was still some art that was put into the GM cars of the early 60s, you know, the 50s and then in the 60s with with Harley Earl and that influence. Every car, every part of that car was thought about. It wasn't something that was just, oh, well, we'll, you know, we'll run a, a chrome stripe here or, or there. I mean, these cars were, people were thinking, I feel, when they were designing those cars. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Very cool. I liked your answer for that. And I remind some of our listeners here, that question came up from one of my early guests, a fellow painter of yours, another painter, Harold Cleworth. Who, oh, sure. Yeah, Harold gave me the idea for that question. I, okay. had, I had a different question at that point in the conversation here at Cars, yeah. And he said, in his very British accent, I have another idea, an idea for a different question. Would you mind asking me this? And it became a regular here. And yeah, I think it's one of the favorite questions for people to to listen to here on Cars. Yeah, and I love the fact that you answered it in a, a very personal and uh, and great way that identifies who you are and how you see yourself. So fantastic. So David, up next is the last lap. But before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Cars Yeah sponsors. Metrovac has been manufacturing and providing quality automotive vacuums and blowers since 1939. I've used their portable vacuum and blowers for over 15 years in my garage, on my cars, motorcycles, around my home, and you should too. Their Air Force Master Blaster Revolution is my go-to tool every time I wash and detail my vehicles. Powered by two twin-fan 4.0 peak horsepower motors, the Master Blaster delivers up to 58,000 feet per minute of clean, warm, dry, filtered air. Dry your car without a towel and avoid those nagging micro-scratches. Perfect for the wheels, engines, motorcycles, and all those frustrating water traps in trim, door jams, and seals. Check out all of Metrovac's quality products, deliberately made better in the USA. Metrovac is the right choice. Learn more today at Metrovac.com. Use discount code CARSYA20 and you'll get 20% off your first order. That's right, 20% off. Details at CarsYa.com sponsors. Okay, David, we're back and we're entering the last lap. And this is where I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So you ready? Ready. What is the best automotive advice you've ever received? Let the mechanics do the work. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's one of mine too. I try to work on my cars and I try the best I can, but sometimes I'm just, I'm not a great mechanic and Sometimes it's best to leave it to the professionals. <laughs> it saves you I a lot of change headaches. change a battery without coming out with bloody nuts. Oh, gosh. Well, some cars, that's just mandatory. That's just the way they're designed, I think. Would you share one of your personal habits that you believe has contributed to your success over the years? Again, it goes back to the hard work. Yeah. 
it, it goes back to concentration. It um, just have fun with it, but but you've got to work hard. Yes, I hear this from so many uh, entrepreneurs and guests here on Cars. Yeah, persistence, perseverance, tenacity, PPT, I call it. You've got to have all of those, the hard work for sure. How about a resource? I know there's so many out there, but is there one resource in particular you think our listeners would really enjoy? One thing that, that, that I like about doing muscle cars in, in the 50s, 60s, that era, is there's so many different shows that I go to. Um, I've shown it a number of times at Amelia Island, and, and what a great show, what a great resource that is. Um, in two weeks is the Muscle Car and Corvette Nationals. Um, if this is broadcasting and around Thanksgiving, it is it has come and passed. But what a great show the Muscle Car and Corvette Nationals is. The Carlisle events. It's just pretty much the diversity of this hobby. It's really great to attend those events. Bill Warner from Amelia, of course, and uh, Lance from Amelia or from uh, Carlisle. I mean. All the, many of these guys who run these events have been guests here on Cars, yeah. Uh, they're wonderful events to attend. The things you'll see at these events uh, would just blow you away. And everyone has its own personality. Yes, they do, very much so. They're all a little different, but they're all filled with really great people. That's what it really comes down to. How about a book? I know this is also a difficult question, but is there one book in particular you think the Cars, yeah listeners would really enjoy reading? The books that I look at more auto-related are books on other automotive artists mm. that I actually learn from their paintings, from their techniques. Don't try to emulate them. It's just they are inspiring to me. Nicholas Watts, nobody does cars in motion like Nicholas Watts. And and, and there's other artists, Charlie Maher, I know, I think you've uh, interviewed Yes, him. Charlie's been on cars, yeah. You know, he's an inspiration. It's not so much the books that that um, I mean. I, I glean a lot from from books on every from everything from um, from gas station memorabilia to um, uh, maybe Dutch Mandel's book talking about racing, and and one I just finished that has been republished. That is what a, a just a great great book, an inspirational book is Mark Donahue's. The Unfair Advantage. Mm -hmm. Yes. What a great book that is. Yeah, yeah, it is an awesome book. It's a good book to go back and read. Well, I'll remind our listeners, you can find links to these great resources at carsyacom slash David Snyder, or just put David in the search bar and his show notes page will pop up. And there's a great place on the Cars yeah website called Guest Recommended Books, where you can find David's suggestions and all the past books recommended here by guests on Cars yeah with very easy links so you can get your hands on those things. Especially with the holidays coming up, they also make great gifts for your friends. All right, David, we are up to the checkered flag. And this last question can be a real doozy. If you could have only one collector car in your garage, but I will buy you whatever you'd like today, so don't even worry about the price, what would that one vehicle be and why? It has to be a Ford GT40 Mark II, something that either competed at Daytona, Sebring, or Le Mans. I, it could be even a, even one of the golf cars that uh, later came in, in 69 and, and 68 and 69. I, I remember hiding road and track behind my physics book in physics class and, and looking at the four GT40s in the, 
that whole era of road racing. And, and of course, that Ford has to be, buy me one. Okay, <laughs> I hear it. I can tell that's the car you really want. Oh, fantastic. I've had several guests want a Ford GT40. They are, oh, man, yeah, just very, very cool cars. Great choice. I love it. David, you have taken me on a great ride today. I've really enjoyed your stories, and I want to thank you for sharing your journey with the Cars Yacht listeners and with me. Could you give us one parting piece of guidance before you drive off into the sunset in your very own Ford GT40? Here is my parting thought. Wake up every morning and say to yourself, I wonder what I can make happen today. Because it's up to you. Absolutely. Great parting advice. And what's the best way for our listeners to learn more about you, your artwork, and your paintings? You can go to David Snyder, and that's S-N-Y-D-E-R, davidsnydercarart.com. Well, listeners, again, you can find links to everything David's been so kind to share with us today at carsyad.com. Just put David in the search bar. His show notes page will pop up with links to his website so you can see what he's doing. And next time you're at one of these events he attends, walk up and say hello and say, hey, I heard you on Cars Yeah. David, thank you again for being so generous today with your time and your expertise. And we're airing this show on Thanksgiving, so thanks is a perfect thing to be thinking about today. I want to thank the Cars Yeah listeners for listening to the show today. Hope you're having a wonderful time with your family and friends on this Thanksgiving. But thank you, David, for sharing your experiences with the listeners and with me. Until we talk again, I'll see you down the road. Okay. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you. (laughs) You're welcome. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah! Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah!